This week, I'm speaking to Jake Miller, the co-founder and CEO of Unfiltered. Jake is just as passionate as me about learning everything he can from some of the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders out there. His business, Unfiltered, has attracted 27 million video views and has established partnerships with over 30 companies, including BMW and PwC. Last year, Jake and his co-founder Yuki were on the Forbes magazine 30 under 30 list of individuals in education to watch in North America. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hi Jake, thank you so much for joining us this week. Thanks Eli, it's great to be here. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself and where did you grow up? Absolutely. So I grew up in Greymouth on the west coast of the South Island and uh, lived in Greymouth until I went to boarding school in Christchurch uh, and then lived in Christchurch, then in Auckland, then in San Francisco and now in New York. So I've kind of lived all over the world. When I was young, I, I wanted to be an airline pilot. That was always my dream. And then when I went to school, I wanted to become a lawyer and an astronaut and a doctor. And then I read Sir Richard Branson's autobiography and it really inspired me and, and encouraged me to become an entrepreneur. So I I left school and started my first company when I was 18 and have been doing that ever since. Your parents had a big influence on you. What did you learn from them? I learned a lot from my mum and dad. Uh, my mum is an artist and she's incredibly creative and is always uh, making amazing art and selling it in the weekends at different art fairs and so on. And when I was young, probably seven years old, I started my first company uh, making and selling fridge magnets at the supermarket. And uh, I went out, I made them and I would go and sit outside the supermarket and sell them and sometimes make you know up to $40 a day selling these magnets. And um, it taught me a lot about business when I was really young. Uh, and it was a, a great little startup and my dad was very entrepreneurial so he had a skydiving company and uh you know was always jumping out of planes and growing his business uh down in fox glacier so i guess a mixture of my mum's creative spirit and my dad's uh, entrepreneurial spirit led me to where i am today for sure so you left behind a scholarship to take the leap into business what did that experience teach you it taught me that sometimes when you have a strong desire or urge to do something, you should just do it. And for me, you know, I had this $40,000 scholarship to go and study law at the University of Otago and, you know, any other degree I wanted. So it would have covered a law degree and any other degree over the whole course of the of the um, duration of the degree. But when I'd read Richard Branson's autobiography and I was so determined to go ahead and start my first company, uh, you know, I guess that what it taught me turning down the scholarship is sometimes when you have a, a strong desire or an instinct or a passion, you should really follow your dreams and get out there and do it. And for me, I, I was dreaming about starting companies by that point and I couldn't see myself doing anything else. So it's having the courage to say no to a really good offer sometimes in order to follow your dreams. Have you thought about giving university a go some stage? For me, not so much. I, you know, potentially one day in the future, I would maybe study an MBA in the United States, maybe at Harvard or Stanford, if I was able to get in and do that. But I don't think I would ever go to university. No, um, you know, I, I have too much fun starting businesses, and I can never see myself sitting in a in a classroom for too long. Um, the only reason I think I would go to university when I say maybe do an MBA one day would be the people that you would meet and could potentially start businesses with. You know, um, out of the interviews we've done, maybe. 
30 or 40 founders of billion dollar companies in America have all actually met at Stanford or at Harvard or at MIT. So these these institutions are amazing breeding grounds for uh, innovation and for companies to actually be founded by ambitious young people doing cool things. So that's probably the one reason I'd consider maybe doing that one day in the future. So how did you go from selling fridge magnets to starting your first business? Yes, good question. So when I had when I started selling fridge magnets when I was young, that was my first kind of small business. And then I started Umpha, my first, uh, I guess, serious business when I left school. And that was quite a few years later, probably 10 years later or so. Um, and after I turned down the scholarship, I identified the opportunity for my business. And, uh, you know, I had, a, I had to sell my car in order to raise some startup capital to, to build out my initial vision uh, and then we went from there and it was a, a heaps of fun what was it like when you first started it was pretty crazy when I first started because I didn't have any money and I just sold my car. So um, in order to kind of pay my rent and build out the vision of the company, it was pretty hard going. And I remember at sometimes I had, you know, only 40 cents left in my card one day and uh, no money to put fuel in my car and, uh, you know, had to get a family friend to loan me $20 to put some fuel in my car. So the first 10 months or so of that business were definitely a grind, a struggle, but, you know, really exciting as well, because after I'd made that decision to start the business, I wanted to do the best I could and I was working so hard towards it um, and you know every day I was learning new things meeting cool people and felt like I was developing my company but it was a, a pretty fun experience but as I say pretty grueling as well. After a year you sold the business to the government what led you to that? I was looking at doing a partnership with the government to distribute the content into all of the schools around New Zealand. And I was speaking of the CEO of the government one day and uh, of the organization, it was called Careers New Zealand. And I said to him, why don't, why don't you buy this? And they did. So from that moment on, all we talked about was the deal. And it was about a five month negotiation process through sale and purchase agreements and uh, working out, you know, how to sell the business. And then we sold it, which was amazing. Was that a big change for you? It was a big change because, uh, you know, after as I mentioned, I had, had hardly no money and I was uh, hustling from week to week and getting my next sponsors and working really hard to, um, I guess, make ends meet, as they say. Um, however, once I sold the business, uh, you know, it was a, a relatively decent sized deal. It was a six figure deal. So as a young a uh, young person at 19 years old going from having nothing to um, quite a bit of money in your bank account definitely changed my life. Was it hard letting go of something you had built? It was and it wasn't. I mean, it was because I did have a lot of fun with Umpha, but at the same time, I think I was hungry and passionate to try something new at that point. And, you know, I'd learned a lot from the people I'd interviewed about businesses and about building value. And, uh, you know, I traveled to America, went to the US for about six weeks and uh, looked at starting a new business over there. And that was when I came home and started Unfiltered, actually. And, uh, you know, I was... Um, going through many different ideas as I was trying to work out what to do next. And, you know, I was hard letting it go. But at the same time, um, as I say, making some decent money when I was young definitely changed my life and it gave me a lot more freedom. And after that, I started to meet some amazing people and have some great experiences all over the world. How did you decide to go from building a digital media business to starting Unfiltered and interviewing business leaders around the world? 
That was an interesting transition because when I sold Umpha, I had been doing some interviews just for um, for fun and for for another business I was working on actually called the Business Leader Series, and we were creating this blog called the Business Leader Series, and we were just going to be interviewing amazing business leaders from around the world. And after I sold Umpha, I travelled to America as I mentioned, and then I came home and had all of these interviews, uh, about twenty of them with with all these amazing business leaders from New Zealand, and I was trying to work out what to do with these interviews and looked at starting a business with uh, another major media company uh, and we decided not to do it together so I just decided to do it myself so that was how Unfiltered was born almost out of this content that we had and we saw an opportunity Um, you know I was and am hugely passionate about startups about business about interviewing amazing entrepreneurs and business leaders and uh, with this content it made sense to spin it into a new company and that was when we started Unfiltered. What did people think first of your idea for Unfiltered? At first, people in New Zealand were really enjoying it because so many of the people we were interviewing had never done interviews before. So we were breaking these exclusive stories and sitting down with you know some of the most amazing and successful business leaders New Zealand has ever seen. And it was the first time their stories had been told. So that was super cool. And uh, you know people really liked that from day one and we got some good traction, some good exposure, um, and we've continued to drive that over the past few years. So making the call on who you go into business with is key. You co-founded Unfiltered with Yuki. How did you both meet? We met at Christchurch Boys High School, actually, where I went to school. So we sat next to each other in year 11 English class. And when Yuki was actually a contractor for my first company, Umpha, and when I sold that business, Yuki managed the sale process to the government and the handover and so on uh, when I was in New York. And when I returned home, I said to Yuki, look, do you want to start a business together? And he said he was interested. And I said, look, I know you're at university right now. And if you want to do this, you're going to have to leave university because we need to focus focus fully on this and he said okay so he dropped out of university he was studying uh i believe megatronics um at the university of auckland uh you know moved had moved up from christchurch to auckland and then he dropped out of university altogether to start unfiltered with me and it's certainly been key having the right partner in business for sure that was kind of him. Yes, it was. Yeah, and I think he saw he he saw a lot in the opportunity, and he uh, like you, Eli, wanted to make some money, and uh, you know saw this as a good way to do it. In any relationship, there are ups and downs. What's the best advice on how to make it over the long term? I think having really open and transparent conversations and not being afraid to, yeah, not being afraid to have a difficult conversation. Uh, You know, Yuki and I are maybe making 50 or 60 decisions every day. And, you know, all of the time we're reviewing contracts and signing stuff off and making decisions and doing sales and creating new platforms and technology and websites. And in that, there's so many things that he will have a different perspective on to me and I think during those times uh, you know it's about having no ego in the room it's about um, literally being able to have any conversation and not be afraid to uh, I I guess like um, stand on someone's pride or ego so I know for us we have super frank conversations which if other people were listening sometimes I'd probably be like you guys talk to each other really like aggressively but for us that's just how we work together and it you know it makes for a productive work environment for us and that's just our style it's not to say everybody would would like that though. How did you fund Unfiltered? What lesson could you share with us? So for the first year of the business, we self-funded it. So we didn't raise any money. I just sold my first company. So I put some money into it. But then we, what, 
we did is called bootstrapping. So we didn't raise any capital. We went out and did it ourselves based off our sales and our own uh, revenue. Um, about a year year in, we decided to, to raise a bit of money to put um, behind the business to help fuel our growth as we launched into the United States. So we went out and raised $1.2 million from some big investors from around the country. And we've since raised another million dollars. So we've raised $2.2 million in seed funding to date, which is not a huge amount of money in startup world, but was a good amount of money to help kick the business off the ground. And some of the lessons from that would just be, um, I think bootstrapping and not raising money is the best thing you can do, you know, in the early days to see whether your ideas got merit, you know, you can go out there and get some sales and go and knock down some doors. And if people are willing to uh, pay you for your product, then you know, you've got a good idea. What was it like when you first started Unfiltered? Can you remember your first person you interviewed? Yes, I can for Umpfa, my first company. The first person I ever interviewed was AJ Hackett who started the bungee jumping uh, for unfiltered as I mentioned since it was a business leaders series that kind of morphed into unfiltered I can't quite recall the first person I ever interviewed although I think it may have been Rob Fife who was CEO of Air New Zealand and then at the time I interviewed him he was CEO of Icebreaker um, but when I first started it it was um, pretty full on it was pretty busy I had uh, you know we moved into a new office and we were working huge huge days and huge hours filming content and producing the website and it was heaps of fun what was your pitch to them? My pitch to the people I interviewed was that, you know, we were creating this amazing platform for them to be able to give back and share their advice with, uh, you know, um, entrepreneurs and startups and business leaders from all around the world. Um, and they were they were all really happy to do that. And, uh, you know, um, we're really proud of the, the platform we've created. Did everything go to plan at the beginning? You know what? Some stuff did and some stuff didn't. I think, uh, you know, building out the website and the technology and the platform always takes a lot of persistence and a lot of time. And I know every time we've went and built a new platform and dedicated hundreds of hours to coming up with the ideas and building it out, you know, often it takes a lot longer and costs a lot more than you expect. So uh, when we launched our first version of Unfiltered back in November 2015, uh, I remember the first day there were a lot of bugs and a lot of things we were trying to fix and we got quite a bit of media exposure, which was great. Um, but when people came to the platform, it wasn't quite as sharp as we wanted it. So we spent a lot of time getting the bugs out, um, ironing those out. And uh, yeah, I'd say in the early days, it was more about technology um, and, you know, as well, I guess, viewership as well is viewership's growing steadily over time and we're really proud of our numbers today but in the early days getting through and cut through and getting you know millions of people watching unfiltered did take some time how did your business model evolve over the years it's evolved a lot of times, actually. When we started out for the first time, we raised, we uh, funded ourselves through commercial sponsors, but then we also sold uh, the content. So companies could buy access or individuals could individually buy their own account. So like Netflix, you have your own account, then you can watch content. About a year ago, we took the paywall down, so we made it completely free. So now anyone anywhere in the world can come onto Unfiltered and watch and watch everything we do. Uh, the reason we made that change is we're going into America and and in America, there's just so many people and we just want to get millions of people watching Unfiltered in America. If we can achieve those distribution goals, the number of other opportunities that will come will be massive. Um, you know, So where we're at now is we've taken the paywall down. We still continue to generate revenue through our commercial sponsors, content marketing, events, and we're about to launch our new and most ambitious platform yet called Unfiltered 3.0. And through that, we're going to generate money through learning and development as well. So what does your day-to-day -day look like? 
my day-to-day is, I wouldn't say I have a standard day-to-day because I'm traveling so much. So uh, this morning, for example, I got back from Singapore. Um, We're sitting in Auckland now. Uh, This week I'm in New Zealand. Next week I'm going to be in Whistler skiing. Then I'm going to be in Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York, Washington, D.C., Boston, Chicago. So all over the world, basically. So I'd say spending almost more time on a plane than not. Um, Traveling around, interviewing people, growing the business, doing deals. Um, So on any day, I, I'm not a super early riser. I probably get up at about nine, nine o'clock most days. Um, you know, get up, I'm in the office by 10. Uh, and then I work a really hard day, you know, lots of meetings, lots of phone calls all over the world. Um, you know, and then you usually have a dinner, a client dinner, and then generally go back to the office and continue working until sort of 11 or 12. So I work really late, but I get up a little bit later as well. That's kind of even. Yes, exactly. You focus a lot of time in the U.S. now. How has that gone? It's gone really well. You know, the U.S. is a massive place and there's so much opportunity. But this year, we've probably filmed about 40 interviews with founders and CEOs of billion-dollar companies in America. So from a content perspective, we're getting so many amazing interviews. And we're currently in discussions with some of the biggest publishers in the world about co-creating content together, distributing it through their platforms, and growing some major distribution channels out in 2019. So the U.S. is a hard market. It takes time. It takes money. It takes investment but where we're at right now we're we're really excited about particularly going into the new year what worked and what hasn't what worked and what hasn't i would say what has worked has been persistence and hustle and dedication and hard work you know in terms of the interviews that we've gotten all over the world we've put a lot of effort into hunting those people down and continuing to ask for the interviews and not taking no for an answer uh so i think having the the dedication and the grip to carry on even in the hard days is something that's vitally important um what hasn't worked i would say is um, probably just the speed at which we've wanted to do this you know it's taken us time to work stuff out and when you're young and often impatient like I certainly was you want to achieve everything overnight you want to make a million dollars this week and you want to you know go to America as you're telling me about your goals and you want it all to happen now but you know I guess there is time you do have to be patient things have taken a bit longer than I expected Um, but I'm still energized and excited every day by what we do. What is your ultimate vision for Unfiltered? My ultimate vision for Unfiltered would be to to grow the world's best business learning platform. So the place in the world anyone anywhere would go if they want to learn about business from the business greats. Um, you know, we break our content up into numerous sectors to help people who are just learning or starting out or scaling or going global or looking for an exit or whatever that may be. And I don't think there's any platform in the world that curates and organizes and modularizes content from the world's greatest business leaders in a way that makes it accessible, easy easy to learn business fast and fun and that's certainly what we're trying to do you've interviewed over 400 people right yes that's right what has been the biggest business lesson you have learned so many lessons but I think if I had to narrow out one I would say that the best business leaders in the world fail fast fix fast and learn fast so if they have a problem and they fail they fix it and then they learn and then they move on you know these people don't sit around crying too much about their mistakes they don't uh, you know um, you know if they fail they, they fix it and they move on and they learn from that lesson and the best entrepreneurs and the best companies continue to evolve and even when they try something that doesn't work they just move on and do the next thing so having that persistence to carry on is vital 
Why do you think more people don't take the leap to start their own business? I think there's a number of reasons. I think one of the reasons is that it is really hard. And, you know, when you are starting out in business and you're trying to reach a scalable commercial product market fit, as we say, and you're trying to, you know, make money and you're trying to hire great people and you're trying to, you know, just hold the whole thing together without it falling over. It's a really hard thing to do. And I think some people, quite frankly, aren't prepared to put that work in. And, uh, you know, a lot of people love the idea of being in business, but they wouldn't be prepared to make the sacrifice to actually make it happen. I think another reason is that society actually uh, and schools actually encourage all of our young people to go to university and go and study a law degree or a commerce degree. And, you know, um, everyone should be well-rounded and they should go and do this. Whereas, you know, starting a business and being successful in business takes a lot of dedication it takes a lot of hustle um, and a lot of focus and I don't think schools are necessarily encouraging people to go and do that Um, so I really admire what you're doing of your lawn mowing business as well as your podcast and you know getting out young and making some money and uh, you know so many of the people we've interviewed who have become tremendously successful started businesses when they're really young so the entrepreneurial spirit you're learning now I can absolutely assure you will serve you well for the future what could young entrepreneurs do to help themselves succeed I think the main thing is just work out the solution to a problem that people have. So let's say you're doing your lawn mowing business and everyone in your neighborhood goes, man, you know, I want to mow my lawns, but I don't have the time. I don't have the time, uh, you know, and then you might come along and say, look, I'm prepared to do this. I'm going to do it for cheaper than what you would, you know, charge if you went out to a commercial lawn mowing organization, then boom, you've instantly got a market. So find out a problem that people have and build a solution for it. That's my biggest bit of advice. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give yourself? I'd probably tell myself, you know, I'm going to actually reiterate what I just said is that I think you can't underestimate the importance of solving someone's problem and making sure that there's a specific market for what you're creating because it's very easy to come up with an idea in the shower or you know dream up creating the next Facebook or the next LinkedIn or um, you know the next Snapchat but all of these things are incredibly hard to make work and also the amount of luck and timing and so many factors um, for Snapchat to work is just infinite almost. Whereas if you're starting a business and you've, you're trying to create um, something in, let's say, the wine industry, and maybe you've gone and spoken to a you know, 100 different people all over the world who make wine, and they all say, man, we wish that um, this part of the system worked better. And you can go away and then come up with a solution, go back, show them what you've built, say, would you pay for this? And if they say yes, then you can build it and you've instantly got paying customers. So I think in business so far for me, I've probably jumped into things a bit too fast without doing the appropriate research sometimes to work out whether what I'm building actually has a need for in the world. Okay, final question for me. If you could interview anyone in history, who would it be and why? I think if I could interview anybody in history, it would probably be either Howard Hughes, who's an amazing adventurer, explorer. He's my hero. He, you know, created airplanes, movies, used to fly around the world. Um, And you know what? This is a bit controversial, but I'd probably like to interview Adolf Hitler as well and just ask, try and understand his mind a bit more and why he did all of the horrendous things he did. Thank you so much for joining us this week, Jake. Great. Thank you, Eva. It's been a huge pleasure and I wish you all the best of your businesses and your success and your trip to America. Thanks for joining us this week. If you enjoyed this interview, please leave me a comment down below and be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your network. As always, stay awesome and share the love.